Who's ready for the word? Yeah, it's going to be so good today. We've been in this series. Um, we've been in this series called Paparazzi. We've been going through the book of James. And um, why are we going through the book of James? Because I'm just crazy enough to believe that if we surrender our lives to God and we learn how to live that out every day of our lives, we've already seen God change the world several times. I'm just crazy enough to believe if we live that out, we can see God change the world again. Anybody with me in the room? Come on. I'm just saying you got to serve a God bigger than you are, you know? And if you, can, if you can do it without Him, then your God's not big enough. Maybe your God is you. And so I'm just... I'm pumped to go through this series. It's been really good as we've been through James 1, we've been through James 2, and now we're going to James 3. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you wake up this morning. That's all, that's all it is. I'm going to need your help today as we go through this. James chapter 3. Um, I, here's the reality. So James is talking about mature Christianity, right? And what it looks like to be a mature believer. What it looks like to be a mature Christian in the world. That's why we titled it Paparazzi, Living Our Faith in a World That's Watching. Because whether you realize it or not, uh, there's a lot going on in the world today, and people are watching Christianity. People are watching believers, and we don't perform because people are watching. But I think what James is teaching us is not how do we live our lives in a way to earn God's love. He's teaching us how do we live our lives in response to God's love. How do we live our lives in response to God's love? In fact, the Bible teaches us that we love God because He, what? First loved us, which means everything we do in our lives is a response to God's love for us. And that's what James is teaching us. And so what he's taught us in, in James chapter 1, as you're turning in your Bibles and getting to James chapter 3, I hope you've read James chapter 2 over the week. But James chapter 1, he's teaching us that mature Christians are patient in trouble. In other words, mature Christians don't jump to conclusions and make emotional decisions because there's difficulty in our lives. Mature Christians don't believe that we're exempt from difficulty in life. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, difficulty is going to happen. One of my favorite songs, we got any Southern Gospel fans up in the house today? Come on, somebody. All right, we got about four in this service, all right? The rest of you either haven't been blessed enough in your life to be introduced to it, or, the re or, or you just, I'll pray for you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I love, so I've been on this for about two weeks. Pastor Chris and I were laughing about it earlier this week. I've been on this Southern Gospel and Old School Hymns kick for about two weeks, right? I, I love it. it. It just, I go through kicks on everything, right? I'll go through like a screamo kick in a couple weeks. It just... It, I go from one to the other. It's crazy, right? And um, some of y'all are like, Screamo, that's not even Christian. Um, we, but we, we, <laughs> we go through this. And one of my favorite Southern Gospel songs ever is by the Crab family, specifically Jason Crab. It's called Through the Fire. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? He never promised that the cross would not get. Come on, Mike Bell, what's that? What you know about that right there? Somebody pull the white hanky out and start going. Right? And what the song says, I'd finish singing it for you, but y'all get jealous that I could sing and you can't. And um, we, one, of those, one of those phrases in the song is, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy, but in the hill would not be hard to climb. 
And I just love the fact that he, he goes on and he says he never promised uh, that our, we would have victories without fighting. And, I, I, you know, that's what James is teaching us. He's taking that out of James 1, that mature Christians are patient in trouble. James chapter 2 expands on that or expounds on that and, and teaches us that mature Christians, watch this, this is a mind-blowing concept. Mature Christians actually practice the faith they say they have. Wow! Practice it. Not just wear the cross and not just walk around and do it, but we practice it day in and day out. We don't just talk about God, we talk to God. Right? We don't just uh, listen in worship, we actually worship. Because worship, watch this, it's not about you. It's not about you. I heard a preacher say it like this one time. If you complained about the worship songs today, I would say good, because they weren't about you anyway. And I'm like, yes, come on. It's about Jesus, right? So mature Christians practice truth. And then James chapter 3 teaches us this concept today that we're really going to talk about. And it's that mature Christians realize the power of their words or their tongue. Mature Christians realize the power of their tongue. Have you ever said anything? I'm probably the only one in the room, LJ, that's ever done this. But have you ever said anything in like the moment it leaves your mouth? You just want to try to get it back as soon as you possibly can. You know what I'm saying? Most, all right, husbands in the room, anybody with me, right? More than once a week, anybody with me? Yeah, okay, I see him. Thank you, thank you. I'm not by myself. Once a day, praise God. So my wife was pregnant, y'all, with our first kid. This is already starting well, right? I, I've never been around a pregnant person, much less, you know, my wife being pregnant. So she's pregnant and... And um, y'all, pregnancy hormones, boy, come on, Hopi, take it easy on him, man. He, he's trying to hang on, I promise. <laughs> pregnancy hormones are just something else, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's up here, it's down there, and that's within 30 seconds. That's not even all day. And so we're, we're doing this, and we're going out on a date. We're going on a date, y'all. So we're going, I don't even know where we're going, because I ruined the night so fast. And uh, she's pregnant. And she's getting dressed, and she's doing this thing that she ironically still does. She's like, I, I can't wear this, and this don't look good, and this just washes me out. And I just, then I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm standing at the closet. I'm dressed. I'm ready to go. I want to go on a date with my beautiful wife. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and she has these jeans, y'all. I remember. She had these jeans. It was probably the reason she was pregnant to begin with. <laughs> like, I mean... It was like, hallelujah, y'all. And she threw those jeans on the floor. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so I, in my stupidity, guys, I, I, I picked these jeans up. And in my mind, I was like, wear these jeans, right? They just, they just baby, come on. And I picked them up and I looked at her and I said, why don't you wear these anymore? <laughs> y'all. If looks could kill, I would not be your pastor today. Man, she turned around, and she didn't just turn around. She whipped that head with that whiplash, and she said, what you say? And I just stood there, and I was like, this is a true story. I was like, I, uh. and she said, I don't wear them anymore because I can't fit in them anymore because I got your kid, and I'm fat. True story. 
Y'all, I knew in that moment, shut up and walk away as fast as you can. I said something. I didn't realize the power behind what I said, because honest to goodness, it was innocent. She says to this day it wasn't innocent. It was innocent, y'all. It was innocent. I was just naive. I didn't know. And sometimes if we don't realize the power of our words, we'll go through our life saying things that are just difficult and like they hurt people. And here's our, here's our apology. I'm sorry you took it that way. Can I tell you that's not an apology? That's not an apology. That's not even a reason. That's an excuse for you to get away with what you just said. And I've said it. I've said it. You've said it. We've said it. And so we've got to understand the power of our words. In James chapter 3, in verses 5 through 12, is what I want to read today, is what I want to start with today. James actually gives us, the half-brother of Jesus gives us a great idea of the power of words. And, and he starts it like this in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is, is, is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue, is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. The tongue defiles the entire body and sets on, the, on fire the course of our lives and is set on fire, what? By hell. Holy smokes. James ain't pulling any punches, is he? Watch this. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers... These things ought not be this way. Verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Man, I, I, I love the way James talks. Because he doesn't pull any punches. He, he just lays it out there. You know, He's like, hey listen, the tongue is set on fire by hell. And that same fire set on by hell will burn out your entire course of your life and it ruins your entire body. It can ruin your witness. It can hurt somebody. All this stuff. And he just, he doesn't pull a punch. Well, why are words so important that James, the half-brother of Jesus, that is writing a letter to the followers of Jesus scattered all over the place, and he takes a whole chapter of his letter and he writes about words. Well, it seems that in that day, there seemed to be a really big issue among followers of Jesus with their tongue. And it seems today we have an issue with our tongue. Like today. Like in 2021, in America, we have an issue with our tongue. Because if you don't agree with me, I'll make sure everybody knows it. And then I'll tell you about it. But why are words so important? Why are words so powerful? I want to I take you back. You can write this down or you can flip with me. It's an it's a easy transition to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 actually gives us an indication of why words are so important. 
Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 says this. Then God said what? Let us make man in what? Our image. Come on, say it with me. Our According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and all that other stuff. Now here's why I want you to sit in this for a minute, right? Because he gives us credence and he gives us declaration over things of the earth. And then verse 27 God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, because people like to downplay one role and one sex and one gender more than the other. He created male and female. He created them. In his what? Image and likeness. So, image. So he created us to look like him. If we all look like him, then why do we all look so different? Because God is made up of many different characteristics. We're to look like him. And then it says in his likeness, so we're to act like him. Now, if you go on, now why is that important? Because if you go back and you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, and verse 26, all in Genesis chapter 1, before he begins to declare this, this is what is said. Then God said. We love the creation story, but sometimes we miss the intricacies that are in the Bible. It says, then God, what? Did? Then God made, he said. So words, we're made in his image, we're made in his likeness. Now get this, there's certain things that we'll never be able to do because we're not God. Right? So I'm not a name it and claim it, just whatever I want in life, as long as I say it, you can have it. Right? But I do believe that because we're made in his image and because we're made in his likeness, I do believe that there is power in our words that plant seeds of our future. There's power in our words. We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. And here's what I just believe. I believe in study. I believe according to James. I believe according to Genesis 1. What you say is a seed that can produce a future. Let me say that again. It's going to come on the screen. What you say is a seed that can produce a future. Let me, let me put it like this. If I constantly say, you know what? Shaniqua gets on my nerves. So aggravate. No, you don't. I love you so much. Let me just preface it with this. I love Shaniqua. She's amazing. She's an incredible part of the body of, of Christ, an incredible part of the body of Radiate Church. We love having you a part of the family. We love you so much. But I'm going to be mean to you for a minute. <laughs> if I constantly say, Shaniqua gets on my nerves. She's terrible. She, she thinks she knows everything. You know what I'm saying? She praises and worships way bolder than I do. And she just thinks she'd jump. You know, everything she says is just so smart. Well, she is a counselor. But anyway, right? All this stuff, right? And if I'm constantly feeding negativity in my head about Shaniqua, guess what I'm going to start seeing Shaniqua through? A filter and a frame of negativity about how bad she is. Whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. The words that I'm speaking are planting seeds of a future in the way that I see someone. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'll never amount to anything. And so I start to believe that. I start to believe that. Did you know 
And I posted it this week. Did you know that psychologists and psychiatrists actually say that positive words, positive words, when you say positive words, it actually builds the uh, frontal lobes of your brain to help you live in a more constructive way. It literally makes you better at life to say positive words. Scientifically. And so whenever God is going, then God said, let there be light. Then God said, let there be a separation of the, of the land and the sea. Then God said, let there be... The, all these things, God is creating something. Listen to me. You will not say something that doesn't create something in the supernatural. And then we want to wonder why there's so many people walking around with curses on their life. Because we don't know the curses that's been spoken over their life. How do, you, how do you combat a curse? You speak a blessing. Come on. You speak a blessing. That's why we have to understand. <laughs> we don't know what everybody's carrying. So James in chapter 3 understands we don't know what everybody's carrying. We've got to watch our words around here. And James starts talking about how we can do things in our lives that are either going to build up. It's either going to build something or it's going to burn something. With a fire, right? And so... We got this thing, and he goes, hey, if you want to do this thing right, and you want to build something, you can build something if you want to. I don't know if this is going to work. You can build something, right? We, you, can, you can build. You can make a difference in somebody's life. You can, you can do what you need to do, you know? And maybe we come along in somebody's life, and we go, man, you know what? You are good, and you are loved. And you are honored. And you are worthy. And I know that you've been through some things in your life. And I know that there's been some difficulty. And I know some people have spoken things that aren't true over you. And I know that it hurts. And I know that it's painful. But I just want you to know that you are loved. And you matter. And that somebody in this world cares about you. And that somebody is Jesus. And not only does Jesus care about you, but I care about you. And I just want you to know there's a church in Northeast Columbia called Radiate Church that we believe that when life gets tough, we stand tall. And I just want you to come be a part of everything God's doing there. I just want you to come be a part of everything that God's moving in people's lives with. I just want you to do something that makes a difference in life. And so everything that we say can build something that's sturdy. Can build something in somebody's life that makes a difference. You're good. You're loved. You matter. You belong. You're here. I care. I'm praying. I believe in you. Whatever it is. And we can build. 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 And maybe we need more builders in the world. Because the amazing thing is, the same tool that allowed me to build is the same tool that you're trash and you're good for nothing and you're nobody and you'll never amount to anything in this world. And I can't believe anybody ever gave you a shot. And no wonder you are who you are. And no wonder you can't hold a job. And no one. And now the very thing that I used to build up, I'm turning around to somebody else and I'm trashing their whole world. And see, James is trying to teach us, listen, if you don't understand the power of the tool that you hold, what happens is you'll, you'll build up somebody you like, and then you'll tear down somebody you hate. 
And we live in a world, we don't understand the power of what we got in our hands. We don't understand the power of what we can do. And y'all, I'm just at a place in my life where I just believe if we would get to a point to where we go, I want to be a builder. I don't want to burn something down. I don't want to destroy something. You know, this was beautiful. This was amazing. Like all the little tweet tweets could just live in here. All the little birdies. There's a place for them. Now there's not. Do you know why? I destroyed it. How many lives look like that on the inside? There was hope that could have lived in there, but somebody destroyed it. You didn't agree with me, so I tore it apart. And now the kids that you're going to father or mother or spiritually father or mother one day, that you're going to foster one day, now they don't even have a safe place to be. There's, there's power. There's power. There's power in all of this. And we just have to understand that what we say creates a future. What we say creates a future. It plants a seed. So I have to ask myself a, a couple of things. One, what am I speaking over myself? What am I speaking? I know so many people that are so worried about building something for everybody else. But then they're on the inside looking like this. And then we want to know why it never lasts. What am, I, what am I speaking over myself? What am I using my tongue for? What is making a difference in me? And in Proverbs chapter 15, in verse 4, it says this, A soothing tongue is a tree of life. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. Sometimes you don't need to run to everybody else for a compliment to be soothed because that'll go away what we need is to learn how to soothe ourselves with the tongue and the weapon and the tool that God gave us I am loved I am good enough I am cared for I am God's even though I don't feel like it today I am feelings don't dictate what is what is should dictate feelings are you with me a soothing tongue is a tree of life. But perversion, perversion in it. What is perversion? Perversion is taking something clean and something pure and making it dirty. But perversion in the tongue crushes the spirit. Can I be real? Maybe when we feel farthest from God, it's not that God's moved. It's that we've stopped declaring His promises. And so we're crushed in our spirit, not because God's taken us there, but we're crushed in our spirit because we stopped believing it. And we stopped building it. And we stopped speaking it. And instead, now we just sing Waymaker, but we don't declare Waymaker. Now we just sing how He's our champion when Radiate Church does it, but we don't declare it over our own lives are you are you with me today sometimes we have to learn to declare with our mouth what God brings to our spirit in World War two the US military coined a phrase a phrase that you've probably used but in World War two there was this phrase that was coined and it's this it's loose lips Actually, there's another word in there. It's been altered. Loose limps, lips <laughs> might 
sink ships was the original phrase. Why would the U.S. military coin that phrase? I looked it up this week and I realized the reason the military coined the phrase loose lips might sink ships is because they were reminding citizens that sometimes if you talk too much, you can undermine efforts that will help us win the battle. My Bible tells me that I'm not in a battle of flesh and blood, but of the spiritual, of the spiritual realm, of, of good versus evil. I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a supernatural battle every day of your life. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but it's a reality that you need to understand is that very few things you deal with are actual physical battles, and most of them are between good and evil, between your life. Satan wants your soul with him. God wants your soul with him. Actually, Satan just wants you away from God. And so they're battling for that every day. And so the anxiety and the depression and the negativity and all these things that happen, it's, a, it's an indication of a spiritual battle as much as it is a physical battle. We need physical help for spiritual battles sometimes. But watch this. If I'm not careful with what I say, my loose lips might undermine the battle and the fight that's going on within me. Wait a second. So you're telling me that what I say can set off God in such a way that he'll lose the battle. God doesn't lose. God's already won. You may just undermine yourself to where you can't fight it anymore. What's the point of prayer? I called a, a, a person, a, a pastor that was a mentor of mine in that season of my life, and I was going through something on a personal level, and I told him, I said, I just don't know if I can take anymore. He said, congratulations. I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, you literally just gave the enemy permission to give you one more thing, because if, if he gives you one more thing, he knows he can break you. You just spoke something that you didn't realize you spoke. See, there's power in this stuff. we got to think through these things. We are in a war every single day. We have to ask ourselves, what am I speaking over me? And if it's not what God would speak over me, can I challenge you? Change the narrative. Change the narrative. Because I want you to look like this and not like this. You know why? I'm going to be bold for a minute. You know why most people get mad at me for not preaching what they want me to, what they want to hear? Because they walk in, and it's okay to look like this, but they want me to fix this. When my job isn't to fix this, my job is to teach you how to lean on God to fix this. And I can't fix this. I can't. Because truthfully, there's days I look like this. And I have to look to God to fix this. Truthfully, there's days where my kids and my wife look like this. And I have to learn how to be the dad and the father and the husband that I'm supposed to be to help God fix it on them. Pastor, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, I'm human. And the reality is, is we can't look like this and still want God's goodness. We can want God's goodness, but we've got to learn to speak it, y'all. No, I, I feel like trash today, but I am a conqueror. I will live from victory, not for victory. I'm not striving for God's love. I'm living in God's love. I'm not trying to be a, enough. I am enough through the grace of God. I'm not trying to get God to notice me. He looked dead in my eyes whenever his son hung on that cross. And he said, that is a ticket that you can't pay for. But I love you enough that I'm paying for it for you. I have to begin to declare those things in my life. What am I saying over me? What am I saying to others? Because it may be seeds that produce fruit, 
that I don't like? What am I saying to others? Let, let me ask you this. You know how you can tell what you've been saying to others? How's your relationship with them? How's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your husband? How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your mom and dad, your brothers? How's your relationship with your coworkers and your boss? Well, that's their problem, is it? Maybe. You could be completely right. But I think it's worth self-examining to go, what if it's not? What if I've been the one that's been dishonoring? What if I've been the one that's been disrespectful? What if I've been the one that's just been an outright jerk? What if I've been the one that I go home and I speak seeds of hatred over them when they're not even in the room? I can't stand my boss. He's a jerk. He's this, he's that. What if he just became what you said? What if your wife is just living out what you've planted? Are you following me today? I want to challenge us a little bit. What am I speaking over others? One of my favorite phrases. One of my favorite phrases it's not a good one. One of my favorite phrases that I say if something just doesn't make sense to me is this. God, it's stupid. It's stupid. If I don't understand it, it's stupid. If I don't get it, that's stupid. And the reality is, it's not always stupid. It's not. It's just me not understanding something. I don't make it stupid. That just means that I need to be smarter. Right? What if I don't, what if the seeds that I'm living, am I building or am I burning? What if the seeds, the life that I'm living are actually fruits of seeds that I've been planting with my tongue? James 3, 5 through 6 again. Just two quick verses. See also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. Iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. On October the 8th, 1871, a fire started at the O'Leary Barn in Chicago at 8.30 p.m. Over the course of several hours throughout the night and the next morning and next day, that fire spread overnight and throughout time, and over 100,000 people were left homeless. 17,500 buildings were destroyed, and 300 people died. And it cost the city of Chicago over $400 million. And the, the flames started in a small barn on someone's property and took out an entire city. I understand the world we live in today. But can I challenge us as believers that it is our job to ensure that the flames don't cost lives? Can I tell you that it is our job as believers to ensure that our flames don't keep people from church and from God. That it doesn't keep our spouses from seeing God in us. Because I know how stressful things can be and how hard life can be. I just want to challenge you to be a builder and don't destroy something. Be a builder and don't burn. Truthfully, I wanted to set this thing on fire today. 
But about four years ago, we had to evacuate the building in the middle of the service at our elementary school, and I didn't want to relive that again. But I understand if there's flames of anger, confusion, chaos, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness in your life. But can I just challenge you, please, don't let those flames cost other people their lives. Let's love. Let's do what we need to do to make a difference. And then the last one, last thought we have to ask ourselves is, are my words building God's kingdom? Are my words something as practical as what I say? And yes, social media counts. Some of us talk more online than we do in person. Does it build the kingdom? That's all we need to ask ourselves. Does it build the kingdom? Not just what I say, but wives, you say this one to your husbands. Not just what you say, but how you say it. Does it build the kingdom? James 3 and 9 through 10 says it like this. With it, with it we bless our Lord and Father. Talking about the tongue. And then, with it, we what? Curse men. Who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be this way. And I know then the North American, the Christianity in America, our way of thinking about it is, well, we shouldn't say cuss words. That's not what James is talking about. James ain't talking about the D word and S word and H word and all this other stuff. F word, none of that. James is talking about literal curses over somebody's life. He's saying you can't, you can't speak blessing over God, declare, declare God's blessing, and then talk junk about the person you were worshiping next to. You can't tell somebody you're going to pray for them and then gossip about their news all over the place. You can't call a church home and then keep people from coming there when you get mad about what the preacher said. You, you, you can't declare that God's doing something special and when somebody doesn't wink at you or wave at you the way that you want to, walk around and tear them down. See, what James, and I know, I know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, this is pretty bold. What's happened in your life? Jesus. For real, Jesus, like, I'm at a place, Shaniqua, we may need counseling after this. Shaniqua, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just at a place in my life right now to where I am so sick and tired of playing games. I just am, man. Hey, listen, COVID's real, and so is God. We need to take every precaution we can, and then I'm going to trust him in the process. Right? That's just what we're going to do, like... You know, fear is real, but so is faith. And so I'll battle my fear on my own, but I'll trust my faith to overcome it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand where a lot of things are coming from. I'm just so tired of playing the games, y'all. And I went through a season in my life where I was cynical and skeptical of many things about the church. And I was pastoring. And here's why. 
Because I'd watch people, I grew up in a charismatic church, I don't know where you stand in this, I'd watch people speak in tongues on Sunday morning and then gossip about them in the parking lot. I'd watch people speak in tongues on Sunday morning during prayer and, and during worship and then they'd turn around and they were mean as a snake and tell me how I'd never be anything in ministry in life. I became cynical. And the reality is, I almost listened, Travis. I almost gave it up. I almost stopped. Because there's a part of me that was like, what if they're right? But then there's a part of me that goes, they just don't know how to use the tool they got. They don't know if they should build or destroy. If they should build or burn. And, and, and our words, watch this. Last thought, and then I'm going to hush. Our words should be tools more than weapons, but never both. Our words should be tools that build. See, when it's a tool, I can drive a nail, and I can build a, ta a, a table, and I can use what I built. But it should never be a weapon that hurts somebody in the process. It can be a tool, or it can be a weapon, but it should never be both. I don't get to pick and choose. God looks at us and goes, be faithful with what I've given you. Be faithful with what I've given you. And 1 Peter 4.11, last one, says this. And we're praying. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And Peter goes on to talk about whoever serves, serves by God. And in, in all things, God should be glorified and Christ should be glorified. But whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Is God's voice coming through my mouth? And if it's not, it's going to be awfully hard for me to make sure that God is glorified in those actions. And so I just, I'm, I, I believe, at Radiate Church, I believe we're doing something special here. I believe the enemy is trying to distract us and, and, and get us spread out, but I believe there's something special happening here. I believe there's lives being changed here every single week. I watch marriages restored. I watch hands go up to give their lives to Jesus every week. I watch churches call us and ask us how they can handle things. I watch other leaders come and ask for restoration. I've seen all that. God's doing something in Northeast Columbia, and he's going to spread it to other campuses all across this state and maybe across this world. But watch this. It's time that we build everywhere that we go. That we don't walk around and destroy. Destroying and burning isn't even an option. But we will build. We will use whatever tool we've been given through our tongues, with our words, to build something for the kingdom of God in South Carolina and beyond. And I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of playing the games it's time to make a difference. We talk about changing the world. Get your tool right. Let's go change the world. Let's go speak some blessing. Let's go tell some people, I understand where you're coming from. I love you. I'm with you. You matter. We're going to get through this together. You don't like me. I don't like you. Don't matter. I got a tool, not a weapon. Man, let's just make a difference in this world. Would you just bow your heads right where you are? Because I'll preach for another 30 minutes. If you're in the room and you'll say, I just want to give my life to the Lord today.
I just need to submit and surrender my life to Jesus. I've never asked for forgiveness, and I want to do that today. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up right where you are? I'd love nothing more than to pray with you. Amen. Now, I'm, just going, I'm not giving you an option today. I'm just going to pray it over all of us. I'm going to pray over all of us that we walk out of here and begin building. That we build the kingdom. And we make a difference with our words. Father, we honor you. We worship you. We give you everything. And God, let us not live for performance. But God, we live to build. We live to build the kingdom. Let us use our words and our tongues as tools and not weapons. We will not tear down, but we will build up. Give us the blessing to speak. Give us the promises to declare. God, I begin to declare that right now there's somebody in the room that has spoken uh, curses over somebody out of bitterness and unforgiveness. And today they're going to go home and begin to speak curses and apologize and do what they need to do, God, to build the kingdom of God in their life. We honor you and worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on. Can you give it up for the Lord in this house? Come on.